Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 17, which can be found on page 1008 in the Church Bibles. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are, an illegitimate, you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Would you please sit down? And do take up your Bibles again and turn back to Hebrews chapter 12. Now we're in this uh, latter part of Hebrews, and it's, it's all about endurance, about keeping going in our faith right through 
to the bitter end. No giving in, no stepping down, no shrinking back or or drifting off, sticking with Jesus every step of the way. Endurance. 12 verse 2, let us run with endurance the race that is set out before us. Now, last week we thought of, about this idea of the life of faith being a running uh, race. It's a, it's a race with a successes, with sufferings along the way, but it's, it's one we, we, we keep going at, step by step by step. We, we trust Jesus as long as it's called today. I'm sure we know Christians like this, uh, perhaps our grandparents who ran the race and finished well, or good friends who we've seen go through some really dark times and yet have held on to Jesus in a deeper and deeper way. They've endured. But the problem is, endurance is not a word we like in our society at the moment, is it? Um, it's not what we do or what we're about. If something's hard, we, we try something else. If something's a bit challenging, well, we just kind of move on. Uh, Our technology, it's all about things being uh, easy everywhere. Um, In Andy Crouch's language, it gives us superpowers, doesn't it? You know, if I play on a computer, I can be an incredible footballer without actually having to learn how to use my left foot. Or I can be a brilliant driver without having to to work out how to mirror signal maneuver without grinding the gears at the the same time. You know, life, it's, it's kind of made to be easy. But God's way isn't like that. It's a way of wholeness. It's a call to, to love with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's a, it's a call to endurance. Endurance in the face of struggles and difficulties. Like keeping going up that steep hill when your legs are burning. That, that kind of makes it immediately unattractive, doesn't it? Because the struggles in life are real. Throughout our lives, things come at us that, that push us towards denying God to giving up on him, putting in the towel. Perhaps you faced many of them. Perhaps suffering that might make us question God's love for us. Persecution, it can just make us long for an easier life. We begin fearing people more than God himself. Sins of greed and lust can become so attractive we we ignore God more and more and actually just start shutting him out. Or, Or just in the end, life gets so busy. We don't have time for him anymore. He drifts out of our life like an old teddy bear. You know, once loved, but now for the tip. The thing is, we're not, we're not talking about a stuffed toy. We're talking about God himself, the living God. And so as we'll see this week and next week, the stakes are much higher. This really matters. It's, it's important, I suppose, tonight that we know we're not, we're not trifling here. We're dealing with weighty issues tonight. We're dealing with the present and eternal destiny of our whole being and that of the person next to you and the person next to them. That's why the writer has time and time again encouraged us, challenged us to endure. And tonight, he wants us to see that with with every struggle, every pressure crowding in, there's actually something incredible going on. And it's got everything to do with who we are before God. Because he wants us to see this, that our life of endurance means we're part of the family. Our life of endurance means we're part of the family. Verse 5. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? 
And now the writer, he quotes a little section of Proverbs chapter three. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he received. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. Now, right from the start, we can, we can react to struggles wrongly in our lives, can't we? We see that, that little quote from Proverbs suggests two different ways we can do that. Verse 5, we can, we can regard God's discipline lightly, or we can be wearied by it. You know, taking struggles and endurance lightly is like saying, I don't know, who cares if God's involved? You know, I've got nothing to learn. I'm fine on my own. Thank you very much. And rather than listening and receiving them as, as training, we reject God. We, we, we don't want to be in his family. We don't want a father looking after us. I'm fine, thanks. Perhaps you've seen glimpses of that in your own life. You've just found yourself ignoring God more and more. You're treating his discipline lightly. We think God has, um, sorry, but on the other side, we can, we can be wearied by his discipline. Rather than us moving from God, we think God has moved away from us. We can think God has moved from discipline to punishment, from a loving hand to a hand of, of wrath. As we feel and experience life as tough, we think, you know, if, if, if I really belong to God, then life would not be like this. All this suffering just shows God has left me. That, that cry of, where are you, God, reaches our lips But somehow, in the midst of it all, we need to hear these wonderful words. God is treating you as sons. Rather than God moving away from us, endurance and struggles, they're signs that God is treating us as sons, as children. The Lord disciplines those he loves. Now, discipline here is a big word. It's not just punishment for wrong, but it's, it's training and guiding too. Our life of endurance means we're part of the family. God is our father. We are his children. Isn't that an incredible thing to say? Now, how do our struggles show this? Well, verse 7, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline in which you've participated, then you are illegitimate children and are not sons. What's he saying? He's saying God's hand that brings struggles into our life. He's saying it's a disciplining hand, and so it's a fatherly hand. This is his loving care for his children. If he disciplines you, then it shows you're his child. And we know it's the same in our families. You know, parents train and discipline their children. It's a, it's a sign of their love, their desire for their children to grow up as, as decent human beings, as respectful, as loving, as wise. When you, when you see a parent have a stern word with their child because of the way they've behaved, you know, on the, on the best day, it's coming from love. It's not harsh to discipline a child because they, they played with fire or they, they tried to steal something. It's good and right. It's, it's not harsh for a parent to direct a child towards being gentle or kind. A parent lovingly trains or disciplines their children. And on the other side of it, parents don't discipline people who aren't theirs. You know, I, I don't walk along the street speaking to, to different children about what they're doing or what not doing. You know, I'm not in McDonald's encouraging kids, you know, get off your phone and chat to each other. You know, why? Because they're not my children. God's fatherly love is seen in the fact that he's training and disciplining his children. He's training and disciplining us. He doesn't leave us be. He's involved in our lives. 
Our life of endurance means we're part of the family. And we can see that this is a family thing when we look at Jesus. Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that it may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Jesus, the true Son of God, even he had to endure. Even he had to face difficulty or hostility and persevere. He wasn't disciplined for his sin, but he he did face difficulty to reach perfection, to reach full obedience for his people. We run with a brother who's gone before us. We're sons with the son. And the whole of chapter 11 was like a, a family photo album. The writer kind of opened it up and said, here are the other children who suffered and struggled. A life of endurance, it means we're part of the family This this is massive. This is the reality of the Christian life. The walk of the Christian towards God is one of a long-distance marathon against obstacles and temptations to give in and walk away from Jesus. Enduring suffering along with that temptation to give in and so that so often goes with it, that experience, that's familiar to us all, it goes hand in hand with being a child of God's. It's not one or the other, but both. It's not child or difficulty. It's difficulty because your father is disciplining you as, a, as his child. And we need to let that recalibrate how we look at our lives. As you look back, as you look back and see the hard bits, the hard graph, like the, the seasons when it felt like praying wasn't worth it, when, when bullying made you think it'd be easier just to say you're not a Christian. When illness just made you want to curse God rather than trust Him. Or perhaps as you ran with others, seeing a Christian friend or your child struggling, or seeing a society's antagonism to Christians rise, all those obstacles that lined your way and mine, those sufferings that have been on the route and our endurance every step of the way. That endurance that means you're sitting here just by the skin of your teeth. All that inner and outer tussle, they point to a deep and intimate relationship. God is our Father and we are His children. God has made us part of His family in Christ, so it's at work in our lives together. He hasn't forgotten us, but is with us closely What we thought of God being distant from us was actually the loving hand of our Father, the gentle reproof of a loving parent. He doesn't hate us, but he loves us deeply. Now, this might be very hard for us to hear at first, especially if you face some very deep suffering in your life, when the the pain has scarred us deeper than we know. Now, this doesn't excuse any sin of others. It doesn't mean we we just sugarcoat it and say it doesn't matter. Definitely not. But what it means is we can say there was more going on than just pain and suffering. It wasn't meaningless. It wasn't pointless pain. If there is no God, then that's all it was. But instead, God was somehow taking the darkness and the filth that humans throw at each other and was twisting it in his extraordinary power and love for something else as we'll see, for something better. 
It never came to us unmediated. It was never beyond God, never too dark for him, never too big for him to cope with. No, it came to us filtered through his fatherly hand to those of us in Christ. He never let too much come at you. He never let it come at you without his knowledge or overarching love. Our life of endurance means we're part of the family. Now you may be thinking, well that may be true, but if you knew what I'd faced or what my friend had faced, is it worth it? God's hand might be fatherly, but, but it's, it's felt more like a bad father than a good one. Well, if that's true, then we need to go further. Because our life of endurance means we're part of the family. And if we're family, then it's for our good. It's for our good. Let's read from verse 9. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. The writer really wants us to see what's going on behind it all. If we're, gonna, uh, if we're subject to God as our father, then just see what's going on. Verse 9, shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? God is at work to bring life in us, verse 10. It's for our good. And how does it bring life and good? Well, it's because of what God is doing in us. Verse 10, that we may share his holiness. That we may share his holiness. God who is holy, holy, holy. Somehow he is at work that we might share his holiness. We might begin to reflect more and more the character of God himself. Taking on the family resemblance. And what does that look like, verse 11? This discipline yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. What a phrase that is. A life well lived is one that yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness in us and through us. God is using what is wrong in our world to mold and change us so that our lives may shine like stars. It's like one of those extraordinary artists on the TV. You know, he heads to a rubbish dump, picks up whatever he can find, an old tire, some, some cut and damaged rubber tubing, a broken bottle, a, a muddy old clothes, and, and somehow he, he kind of shapes them and, and moves them. He brings them together in some, into something beautiful, something magnificent, a new creation even. God himself is at work in us. God is using those things that might have pushed us, pushed us towards rejecting him. He's using, our, uh, using them to bring us to the opposite. He's using them to take us away from death and its works towards life and, and glory. We endure because God is at work in us. The writer has shown us everything uh, God has done in, in Christ to bring us forgiveness over these last few chapters. Our, our perfect high priest offering himself on the cross to deal with our sin, rid, uh, rid us of its eternal consequences. And, and now we see God is slowly getting rid of it from our actual lives. Not just the punishment of sin, but also the pollution of it. It's as if that all that he has won for us, all that we will be like when Christ returns, God is moving us towards it now, step 
by step. Our endurance is, is God's project from start to finish. If we're part of the family, it's for our good. Now, there is mystery here, of course. We don't see the whole picture. We might still have burning questions for our Father. It's, you know, it's important to say, as we thought about this morning, a, a particular suffering isn't necessarily a, a God's response to a particular sin. But as we look back on our lives, both as individuals and collectively, I'm sure many of you will be able to speak to what God has been up to. That a difficulty brought you closer to him than you ever knew possible. Some really horrible uh, bullying actually strengthened your conviction in Christ. Family tensions showed you some of the patterns of sin in your lives that you've been drawing away, you away from God. Or may you be encouraged as you look back. May we know this to be true. Now, we don't have to know the specific good for there to be one. You know, as I, as I look back on, on my struggle with illness a couple of years ago, I'm not sure of how God was, was leading me towards sharing in his holiness, but I trust he was. I trust that as my good father, he was using that situation to bring me closer to him. And so as we face whatever is about to come next, we do so knowing it's going to be true again. God's fatherly care doesn't run out on us. As the next struggle appears, and for many of us it will, may we know God's in this for our good. Oh, it seems painful rather than pleasant. But God is doing something now and for the future in us. So may we endure May we stick with Jesus. May we not treat it lightly, kind of phasing God out of it all. Nor may we be wearied by it and chuck it all in thinking God has abandoned us. But instead, let us trust our heavenly Father as our Lord Jesus did. If we're part of the family, then it's for our good. But lastly, we need to see we don't suffer and struggle and endure alone. Because if, we, if we're family, lastly, if we're family, we endure together. We endure together. This race we're in, it's not me and my race and you and yours. We're in this together, verse 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. This is a call to help one another. It's a call to lift up those who are beginning to droop, strengthen those who are struggling and weak, to help those who are lame in a sense, who might be put out of joint. Yes, we're to consider our own faith, our own walk with the Lord, and and make sure as individuals we don't neglect Christ. But this is a collective endeavor. We're in this together. We endure together. More like a beehive, everyone connected and dependent on each other. We're like a body, a plant, Not just me and God, but us and God, us together. As if we're in one of those those team races, you know, where it only counts if if we all make it across the line. Perhaps something like the Spartan race. I don't know if any of you have done it. Some of my teacher friends used to do this, where they they crawl through mud, they they climb massive walls, they, they jump through icy water, absolutely crackers. But the thing is, you're only as fast as your slowest team member. And so you encourage one another, you strengthen each other, you help each other, you lift up the tired ones, you share the load, you you pace yourselves thinking about other people. That's what we're to be like. If we're family, we endure together. 
Now, as Christians, how do we do this? Well, it's through peace and holiness. Verse 14, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Enduring, it means putting into our lives what God is already doing. He's disciplining us so that we might share his holiness. He's training us so that our lives might produce peaceful fruit of righteousness. No wonder as we keep in step with him, our lives should be lives of peace and holiness. If we God's, then our lives will begin to show it. And it's, it's got to start with peace with one another. How can we endure together if we're not even in loving relationships with each other? Peace, that's a challenging word, isn't it? That looks like love and forgiveness. It means seeking reconciliation when things go wrong and communicating at all times. It means we control our tempers. There's no cold shoulders, no long list of offenses taken, no gossip, bad mouthing behind people's backs. We strive for peace together. And we strive for holiness. If God is working for us to share in his holiness, then surely our lives will begin to show it. Because without it, then there's no work of God in our lives. Without it, we won't see God because we never belong to him. But that's not just a personal affair. Holiness is is necessarily communal. What I do impacts you and what you do impacts me. But holiness is more than that. It actually involves looking out for each other. Verse 15, it's a verse helping us to understand what peace and holiness looks like. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. See to it, it says. That's to all of us. See to it. And what are we to see? That no one fails. That those people around us aren't those who fall away from Christ, who give up on enduring, who drift and shrink back. Because someone failing, falling away is serious. Verse 15 gives us a number of reasons. It can have a massive impact on other people. It can be like a root, a bitter root that poisons the plant. It's the, the image of a whole plant suddenly getting a disease spreading through it because one of the roots has hit bad water. That's what can happen in church. We've, we've got to look after individuals because they can have an impact on other people and them on others. Suddenly gangrenous poison has spread. Perhaps you've seen this. Someone turning away from God and then slowly seeks to persuade others to come with them. Causes division and hurt. Rumors spread. People put up defenses. Looking out for people means we might be able to stop that happening. But it's not only serious for the whole church, it's serious for that person. Their life can just fall apart around them. That's what happened to Esau, who the writer compares them to. Esau, he becomes utterly focused on this world, this life. The the eternal, it just faded from his view. He was ruled by his body. He married God's enemies and even sold his birthright for a meal, a single meal. And then eventually the door shut on him. He couldn't get it back, rejected it. For Esau, it was a downward slide to the point of no return. And perhaps again, you've seen that. 
the tragic slide of someone who's begun to put their love for this world above obedience to Christ. Perhaps in the arms of an unbeliever or their, their lust for porn or food or gaming or good holidays or fast cars or whatever it is, it's all slowly taken over and they've, they've slid further and further away from God himself. Church attendance drops, friendships change, and in the end there'll be no way back. It's tragic. Now although that's their sin and they're responsible for that. May it not happen because we didn't do anything. May it not happen because we were napping or lazy or not caring. Verse 15, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. If we're family, we endure together. Can I say, I've been so encouraged by you, the church family, on this, the number of times I've heard about you guys being in touch with someone in need, it's been wonderful because we, we never want someone who's left the church to say, no one even asked. No one even followed up or said anything to me. I wonder if there can be a temptation to, to assume sometimes someone else is going to do it, but they, they may not. Let's be people who, who keep looking out for one another who get to know each other, share lives together, and share our burdens together. When struggle comes along, let's move towards people. I think my temptation can be uh, over the years to, to think people just need space when they're struggling, and so I've just done nothing when actually they've needed support, not distance. We need to remember it's those struggles that actually uh, will either push people away from God or God's going to use to bring them close. Let's get in on God's plan and help them move closer. I came across a a quote recently. I think it's from a Disney film, but it's this. It says, family means nobody gets left behind. That's right, isn't it? If we're family, nobody gets left behind. We endure together. We pick each other up. That's one of the reasons we meet together and help uh, is to help and encourage each other. Tonight, after church, perhaps just go and chat to the person you know who's having a tough time. Or perhaps the the person you've seen less of recently and just check in that they're okay tonight. And what do we aim to do? We aim to show them Jesus, don't we? Let him fill their view as you speak to them. Help them look to him, the founder and perfecter of our faith. He's the one who's going to get us all through. We endure together. Now, as we said at the beginning, this, this isn't an easy everywhere kind of life. You're not going to just get to sit back on the sofa for the rest of your life watching telly. It's a life of endurance. It's a life sticking with Jesus even in the struggles, even when things should push us away. But it's also a deeply rewarding life. It's a life with God himself, the eternal the all-powerful, the all-loving one, as our Father, as a Father who's bringing us step-by-step closer to Himself, closer to His holiness, who's, who's showering us with His love and His grace, even in the midst of pain. And since it's family, it's a life we do together, not alone, but in sharing lives and giving strength to the one who's falling so that we might all make it together on that final day. We're going to look around in that heavenly city and we're going to see many familiar faces. People who once had a word in season for us. 
and people who at another time we were just there at the right time to point them to Jesus. Wouldn't that be wonderful? God is good. Let's keep going. Let's keep enduring with him, looking to Jesus Christ, his son. Amen.